Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's Nightside with Dan Ray on WBZ, Boston's news radio. Good evening, Boston, New England, and America. Dan is off on vacation all this week. Morgan White was filling in for first couple of nights, did a great job. And I'm Jordan Rich. I'll try to do a decent job for the next three nights. And uh, lots of different topics, lots of things to converse about. In the second hour, we'll be chatting about a study that came out, and it's almost ridiculous to even mention this because everybody sort of knew this that uh, if you exercise and move a little bit you'll live longer but we'll talk about uh, innovations in fitness a bit and then at 10 o'clock one of my favorite subjects when I was doing my late show uh, over the years was the book club and we'll find out what you're reading for the summer and uh, talk a little bit about uh, the way you're reading more people are listening to books than reading them it seems these days but that's coming up and that'll be fun so get your homework assignment is to get your books ready to to share with us on the air. Our opening topic and our opening guest is uh, politically motivated in terms of the the conversation and it has to do with none other than Donald Trump and what's going on right now with the January 6th committee and with the pending election, the midterms of course in 2024. There there are so many variables but uh, we're going to be chatting right now with the president of the Free Speech for People organization, John Bonifaz. John, John, welcome, first of all. Nice to have you on the uh, on the Nightside Show. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Uh, your organization uh, based in Newton, or is that just where you're based? I'm actually based in Amherst, Massachusetts, but we have uh, staff in different parts of the country, including in Newton, Mass. Okay, so there's an effort underway uh, to keep Donald Trump off of the primary ballot, assuming he's running, and I think most people assume he will be due to quote-unquote insurrection and I know that you had an issue with the Secretary of the State in Massachusetts William Galvin why don't we have you tell the story from your point of view as to what you're trying to do and what answer Galvin gave you sure section 3 of the 14th amendment to the US Constitution makes clear that if you've taken an oath of office to defend the Constitution and then you turn around and engage in insurrection you're forever barred from holding public office again. This provision of the Constitution, which is critical for protecting our republic, was placed into the 14th Amendment by the framers of that constitutional amendment after the Civil War, when they wanted to ensure that ex-Confederates who had participated in the nation's first insurrection, the Civil War, would no longer be able to attain positions of government power or stay in positions of government power. But they importantly did not apply it solely to the ex-Confederates. They applied it to future insurrections as well. And now we have the second insurrection in our nation's history on January 6, 2021, which Donald Trump incited uh, and engaged in. And having taken an oath of office to defend the Constitution and then engaging in that insurrection, he is forever barred from holding public office again. So we have issued letters to every Secretary of State and Chief Election official across the country, including Secretary of State Galvin, to ensure that they follow the mandate 
of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment and bar Donald Trump from appearing on any future state ballot. The question is uh, very important, and that is insurrection. What is it when it's not uh, proven? In other words, there's no criminal charge yet at this point. So you're you're accusing him of... I'm not saying he's not responsible, but you're accusing him of something that he has not been officially uh, accused of. Well, we have to look at the we have to look at the history of Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment and what has been required in the past and what is required now for disqualifying people from the ballot who participate in insurrection. And there is no requirement whatsoever in the text of the language of that constitutional provision or in the legislative history that there be a conviction or even an indictment of an individual. Whether someone has engaged in insurrection with respect to the criminal code and opened a criminal prosecution is not the same question as whether, in fact, they have engaged in insurrection with respect to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. So this is a matter for secretaries of state to investigate and determine on their own. For example, the Constitution makes clear that you have to be of a certain age, you have to be a citizen, you have to have residency in order to run for public office, federal offices, and secretaries of state all the time enforce those requirements. What the 14th Amendment did was to place an additional qualification for public office, and that's this qualification of not engaging in insurrection after taking an oath of office. So it is actually dodging the, the issue for Secretary Galvin, as he has said, to somehow think that he needs to wait on the Justice Department to first convict Donald Trump of insurrection in order for him to enforce Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. That's not what's required, and that's not what's happened in the prior history of enforcing that. Has there been any, any Secretary of State in any of the 50 states who has expressed an interest in, in following through with this or attempting this without... We, we are talking with a number of offices around the country about this, um, and I should say, uh, so far, we have not received the direct refusal like we have from Secretary Galvin saying that there must be somehow a criminal conviction. And frankly, I don't think you're going to find in the legislative history that requirement. So he, he really doesn't have a basis for making that claim. Again, the question of whether there's criminal liability uh, with respect to the insurrection for Donald Trump is a separate one as to whether he meets the qualifications under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to appear as a candidate on the ballot. This is not a punitive provision, right? This is not about whether or not he goes to jail or not. This is solely the question of whether he deserves to be in public office again based on his role in this insurrection after having first taken an oath to defend the Constitution. John, uh, let me ask you this. Your organization, on the day that Donald Trump was inaugurated in 2017, called for his impeachment. You organized an impeachment movement before he was even, as he was being sworn in. So uh, justify that and and how that corresponds to what you're doing now. And in, I mean, I, there's all kinds of reasons to criticize Donald Trump without question. And I'm, I didn't vote for him either time, and I'm not planning to vote for him again. But uh, you called for his impeachment. He hadn't been taken a, a step into the Oval Office at that point. Why? It's actually quite consistent with what we're doing now. We did call for his impeachment after he took the oath of office. 
moments after he did. And the reason why is because he had refused, leading up to that inauguration day, to divest from his business interests uh, all over the world. And the, and the emoluments clauses of the Constitution make clear that a president may not receive foreign investments, foreign money, or domestic investments uh, when they are president of the United States. That That is a, a clear provision in the Constitution, and he was already violating it the moment he took the oath because he had refused to divest from those business interests. Now, he did say in November, when he was president-elect in, in November of 2016, that he would turn over the day-to-day management of his company to his two eldest sons. But that is not what's required by the emoluments clauses. He needed to divest fully uh, from his business interests, put that in a a, a blind trust, not have any ability to earn profits uh, off of those interests. And yet what he did do is he treated the Oval Office like a profit-making enterprise, collected foreign investments from all over the world during the time he was president, and that questions his loyalty to the United States and to the Constitution. That's precisely why the Emoluments Clause is in there. So he was already in violation of the Constitution after he took the oath of office, and he deserved to face impeachment proceedings because of that. Well, he was impeached twice, obviously not convicted either time. Uh, so you you got your wish, and maybe not for that reason, but um, and I'm not here to uh, uh, excoriate any of this I just or attack you for any reason I'm just playing devil's advocate you sure. talk, about, you talk about it you talk about it being an insurrection um, it was absolutely ugly it was a horrific image for the world it was a horrific image for America but uh, w- do you think that democracy was teetering on the balance at on January 6th uh, I do And actually, I'm not the only one. There have been federal judges who have determined it was an insurrection. Senator Mitch McConnell called it an insurrection after it happened. The Justice Department has defined it in certain papers as an insurrection. Uh, The House representatives, as you know, uh, passed impeachment charges saying that he engaged in insurrection. So there's many, many authorities on this question of whether or not it was an insurrection, and the Secretary of State does not need to, you know, on his own, uh, out of thin air, make that determination. He can look to all those authorities that define it as an insurrection, and then he can look to all that has come out of the House Select Committee, demonstrating even further how Donald Trump incited it and engaged in it uh, in a seditious attack on the U.S. Well, Capitol that, that, to stop the certification yeah, of the that, Electoral that's, College vote. That's the problem, though. Uh, because everything in political circles these days is vague to a certain extent, although Trump is about as direct as you can get, uh, you you don't have the hard evidence that he picked up the phone and met with the Proud Boys and said, attack the Capitol. You do not have that evidence. And you can't convict somebody and maybe not even indict somebody without that kind of evidence. He, he did a lot of things that were ugly and unbecoming and maybe even... Uh, uh, negligent. I think that would be a very likely situation in the afternoon of January 6th, but you're convicting someone without charges and without evidence that he Well, again, we have to separate out a criminal process that involves conviction and involves potential prison time from the question of whether or not he deserves to be 
on a future ballot based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. Those are apples and oranges. This is not a conversation of whether or not there's enough proof to prosecute the president and, and, and engage in a criminal trial with respect to his culpability. That's for the Justice Department to determine. I personally believe that they need to move forward on that. But that's separate from this. This is about Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And the analysis here is to look at the evidence of what he said uh, from the ellipse that day in inciting that crowd. And then beyond that, going back to the White House after knowing that there were armed protesters heading to the Capitol and he sent them there, going back to the White House and egging them on, saying that Mike Pence is a coward, knowing that, that in fact, as the House Select Committee has revealed, that they were chanting hang Mike Pence, and he says that he deserves it. All this has now come out, and this is not just negligence. This is about actively choosing to support that insurrection by not using his powers as President of the United States to tell everyone to stop the violence and go home. He was part of that insurrection, even if he didn't pick up the phone and call the Proud Boys. So this is, again, not a criminal trial. This is about whether or not, under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, he deserves to be on the ballot again. And by any stretch of, of the measure of this, he does not deserve that ability. He has disqualified himself based on his actions. And, and just to put it in political terms, you know that there are a great number of people, maybe millions, likely millions, who are just going to say that uh, you're just you and people of your belief are just looking for blood any way they can find it to try to stop him. Um, how do you respond to people who say, you know, prove it and then then we'll talk? Because well, what I say to them is look at the Constitution. Okay. Look at the language of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment and understand that this is about protecting the republic. This is not a partisan fight. We are a nonpartisan organization. We're involved in defending democracy and our Constitution. And the fact of the matter is is that that language of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment is there for a reason. It's not designed to be punitive. It's not the same as a criminal trial. It's simply about whether or not our republic is protected from people who take that oath of office, as he did in January of 2017, 2017 to defend the republic, to defend the Constitution, and then turn around and engage in this seditious attack on the U.S. Capitol and this insurrection. And he needs to be held accountable that way, independent of whatever the Justice Department may do with respect to criminal liability. John, would you be kind enough to hang in there, and we'll take a break and maybe take some phone calls for you to see what folks have to say? Sure, and, I'd be uh, happy ask to. Ask you questions, and I've got some other questions for John Bonifaz. He's the president of Free Speech for People, and it's a campaign uh, nationwide to uh, keep uh, Donald Trump from the primary ballots in every state due to, I'm going to use quotes around this because I don't I'm not aligned with John on this issue due to the, quote, insurrection. It hasn't been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that he inspired the – maybe he inspired it, but he didn't order it, in my opinion. But that's just my opinion. 617-254-1030. We'll take a quick time out and return. We've got a great guest, a controversial topic, and you're welcome to check in right after these words. Now back to Dan Ray, live from the Window World Nightside Studios on WBZ News Radio. 
Welcome back. This is WBZ's Nightside, of course. I'm Jordan filling in for Dan. We have on the line with us John Bonifaz. He's the president of Free Speech for People. And, John, we'll go to some calls. A lot of people want to chat with you, and uh, uh, we'll keep it uh, organized and polite and all that. Uh, people can get kind of heated in terms of political stuff these days. But I have two more things for you before we go to the calls. Uh, one, I agree with your organization on a major point, and that is the big money in politics. I'll just say that out right yes, thank I you. applaud you for the work you're doing I think that's the that's the the real uh, issue uh, ultimately is follow the money trail but um, just to be clear you said you're a nonpartisan organization I appreciate that but you are aligned with Senator Bernie Sanders group our revolution and uh, most of the most of the positions that your organization has taken I've read your website would suggest and I'm just asking you to be honest here would you just a left of center to be fair approach would you agree well you know i'm glad i'm glad you asked that jordan because uh, you know your point about the big money in politics issue is a good example of this people think well those who are against big money in politics are coming from the left but that's actually not true when you look at polling on this vast majorities of americans all across the political spectrum oppose what the supreme court did in the citizens united case in January 2010, which swept away a century of precedent, barring corporate money in our elections, defining corporations as people with political speech rights, and allowing for the new explosion of campaign spending in our elections. People across the political spectrum oppose that. They don't want to see this continued explosion of big money interests in our politics. So that's a very good example of actually where this is clearly nonpartisan. We're not fighting on one side or the other political spectrum. We're fighting for our democracy. Similarly, our fight to protect voting rights and protect our elections is a fight to protect the Constitution and that fundamental right to vote and, and the principle of political equality for all. This is not a left-right question. This is a democracy question. And so, too, is Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. It's a democracy question. Either we're going to have a Constitution that we all uphold and, and believe should be enforced, or we're going to ignore certain parts of the Constitution because we just don't like them. Uh, at this point, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment is not dead letter. It applies to what happened on January 6, 2021, and those who engaged in it after taking an oath of office need to be held accountable. Let's go to some phone calls and get some reaction and questions and comments. Jim in Maryland? I'm hitting the button, Rob, and nothing's happening. So if you could bring Jim up, please. Something's going Hello? Are there you there? Yes, Hello? go ahead, Jim. Thank you. You're next on WBZ. Can I call you Can I call you Big John or are you Little John? <laughs> I'm neither. I'm John. Just go ahead, okay, Jim. Okay, John. Here's my deal. Here's my deal. Okay, let's say everything you say is accurate and he doesn't get to run. So let's say DeSantis or whoever else they put up there runs can uh donald trump be a member of their cabinet if it requires him taking an oath of office he's not able to serve in any capacity in that way so <laughs> okay you know that that depends on what it is they want to appoint him to if they want to appoint him to dog catcher and there's not an oath of office required there then maybe he can serve in that capacity but yeah. this applies but I bet you to he'd all, get all the headlines at the federal state local level where you have to take an oath to defend and protect the constitution okay okay hey listen i believe your passion and that's the way you feel i obviously don't but that's okay and if that does happen 
kudos to you because you're working on this really hard. But at the end of the day, we can't have another. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Let's be liberal in the White House. All right. So well, we, whoever we can, it is, whether we, it's that Trump, <laughs> yeah, whoever it is. We can talk is, about that. Just, uh, Rob, I can't uh, hold people any. I don't know what's going on with my screen. I'll have to fix it during the break. Uh, let's go next to Steve in Cambridge. And if you could bring him up, Rob, thank you. Steve, you're on WBZ's Nightside. And we're talking John, about uh, people. Uh, go ahead. P- uh, let's, free say, for people. let's say the election was very clearly stolen. Let's say there was hard evidence. I'm talking in arguendo. Um, would you then say uh, massing outside the um, Capitol and even going inside uh, to uh, ask that the electoral count be um, temporarily held up, would you call that an insurrection? Steve, I think that's an important question. I appreciate you asking it, and let me answer it this way. First of all, if the election were to have been stolen, there was a way for Donald Trump and his associates to challenge that, and that was to go into court. And you know what? He did that in 60-plus cases all across the country, federal courts all over the country, looking at his arguments that the election was stolen. He lost all of those cases. I think all of those John he lost. Before so I had, be, that process, the legal process that he engaged in was not an insurrection. I want to be clear on this. That legal process that he engaged in was completely acceptable and what candidates can do if they want to challenge the results. But then you ask a different question. You say, well, can people amass themselves outside the Capitol? Absolutely. They can do that. What they cannot do is try to engage in a violent attack on the U.S. Capitol to go in for the purposes of stopping the counting of the Electoral College vote. This was a constitutional proceeding that was happening inside the Capitol, and these people went in, these insurrectionists, with the aid and support of the inciter-in-chief, Donald Uh, Trump. That's where I have to stop you. The the aid and support of the commander-in-chief, did he provide... uh security for them did he did he lead the charge see that's the problem that people are having john at the, the language it's all about language you, you, well, you john you well, start I mean, with you this. have to look yes. at the facts jordan okay no 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 I, he I got understand. up there he it, got it, up there at the ellipse he made it clear then that he was going to walk with them down to the to go down to the capitol he urged them to do it he knew by the time he got up to make that speech that many of the people in the crowd were armed with weapons 
He knew that based on the House no. Select Committee's oh, wait revelation. A second. So he knew not, he was sending true. an armed mob to no. the U.S. Capitol. No. That was a clear aid. And then on top of that, he had within his power in the White House to stop it moments after it began. Again, and that instead would be of doing negligence. that, he sat in the dining room of the White House, okay. watched the television, watched the violence take place, and when he was pleaded to by his aides, many aides to stop it, including members of Congress calling him from the Republican side, including Kevin McCarthy, he said, essentially, they believe more in the vote than you do, Kevin. Okay, and, John, and, and, John. and the fact is, is that he was aware that his own vice president's life was being threatened, that he was being threatened with assassination or the gallows or whatever you want to say, and he said he deserved it. All of that was aiding it because he had the power to stop it. He had the power to call in uh, the National Guard. He had the power to go out there to the press room right there in the White House, go on national television and tell everybody to go home, and he didn't for over three hours. So, yes, I think that's clear evidence. He aided it, okay. and, and we know let, let me get Steve knew in now here for the last word. Steve, he knew Steve, now that these on, were John. armed Listen, you know, you, John, John, let me, let me get a question in there edgewise, okay? Um, you say that his only recourse, uh, that Donald Trump's only recourse was to go to the courts. Uh, well, putting aside the question of whether the courts actually looked at the evidence or uh, rejected the cases on standing. Let's just put that aside. Um, evidently, there's a bipartisan um, movement to change the electoral count law. So evidently, the law as to whether the vice president can hold up the electoral count is vague. And it is possible that one could argue constitutionally that Mike Pence did have that power. And the reason you can argue that, obviously, is because there's a big move to change that law. So that would be an alternative to going to the courts and parading or protesting outside the Capitol uh, would be a legitimate uh, form of protest. Well, I think anybody... Oh, okay, anybody well, I, again, I want to be clear, Steve, because I think you're making an important point here. John, I am John, not hold, saying that standing outside the Capitol... On, John. John, it's an insurrection. On. I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I know. I know. I just want to reiterate, John did say protesting in front of the Capitol is, is certainly not to be right. suggested as, a, as an and insurrection. And you know what? And the fact is, is that they tried to convince the vice president in right. a peaceful way before the insurrection to do what, they, what you're suggesting, to hold up the county, and the vice president refused. And at that oh. point, that was it. They had, that's they okay, had but that's okay. But the Donald Trump did have do this. So Donald the solution Trump. is not well because we don't win the peaceful means of doing this. We're now going to violently attack the Capitol, violently attack police officers, go in there and try to take out certain members of Congress. That's not or the vice president himself. That's not how we operate in a democracy, and that's why we have Section Three of the Fourteenth oh, Amendment. Okay, we must take a break, Steve. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. John, we'll take a break and come back to give you a chance to breathe and uh, take some more calls <laughs> on this subject. Sure. Thank we you, are, You bet. 617-254-1030. The question that's being raised by this organization and by our guest is, should every state in the Union or some states in the Union that will go along with it, should the secretaries of states in these various places bar Donald Trump from the primary ballot due to uh, the behavior on January 6th and probably behavior before and after. And uh, the question that was posed to William Galvin, the Secretary of State, 
uh, he uh, assumed the question and listened to the question and said what I think most secretaries of state will say, that unless there is a criminal conviction which is required, then the decision uh, which lies in the hand of the Justice Department, then it's a moot point. And John is arguing that it's not a moot point, that there's much more evidence. Quick timeout. We'll continue right after these words. It's Nightside with Dan Ray on WBZ, Boston's News Radio. All right, this is Jordan in for Dan, going right back to the telephone calls for John Bonifaz, president of Free Speech for People. And uh, we'll take Sandra, who's calling from the city. Sandra, welcome. You're next on Nightside. Thank you, Jordan. Um, I think we're all concerned about what happened in this election. I certainly don't think it's a good thing if, uh, you know, moneyed groups buy off election officials or uh, buy and place drop-off boxes that are unmonitored and break the chain of uh, control and whatnot. Um, I'd like to give you an example of something that disturbs me regarding this election with the nonprofit community. Um, James and Catherine Murdoch have a foundation called Quadrivium Foundation, and they apparently funneled some money through to uh, Defending Democracy Together. And that foundation, or that nonprofit, supposedly uh, contacted um, Mike Pence and offered him money to uh, mount an election campaign if he would uh, get Donald Trump out of office. Now, apparently Mike Pence didn't respond where, where, to that. Where, where do you hear, hear this and where is it substantiated? I've I, I can't confirm it. I can't confirm it. Then, I'm just then, saying it's not, is, then we're not going to talk about it because if you can't confirm it, it's silly to, to talk about something like well, that. Sarah, no, I what apologize. I want to talk about is just that we do know what Mark Zuckerberg did. And we're seeing a lot of this activity where moneyed people have these nonprofit organizations they funnel money down two or three nonprofit organizations and then something happens and the, right. it's untraceable all right fair enough so let me let me let me let me hold you there because we're really tight on time i'm sorry john um let's just talk about money in general and power in general no matter what side of the aisle it comes yeah. from the fact that uh the social media giants have a lot of control, and I'm not going to get into uh, the purchase of Twitter or the non-purchase of Twitter, but the fact yeah. that uh, even Donald Trump, uh, who owned Twitter you know, when he was president, has been banned for months, years. What's your, what's your organization's take on that uh, assault on personal freedom, if, it is, if you consider it an assault? Well, we have, a different, we, have, we have a different view about big tech, which is we think they need to be held accountable when they amplify in a targeted way disinformation and threats of violence. And so we have a model law that we've drafted, the Big Tech Accountability Act, which would effectively remove the blanket immunity these social media and companies right now enjoy, these big tech companies, when they engage in those kinds of actions. Uh, You know, it's just not possible, you know, for the New York Times, for example, or for this radio station, to engage in amplifying threats of violence on your platforms. And yet, in social media companies, Twitter and Facebook, they do that all the time, and they have this immunity under federal law right now. So that's where we are on this question. We think there needs to be further accountability for these social media giants when they amplify disinformation and threats of violence on their platforms. 
All right. I don't have any disagreement with you on that one either. Um, I also think, though, that uh, sometimes there's there's an element that is looking to quash certain points of view, and I, I have a problem with that. But let's continue. Here's Tom and Lynn. Tom, welcome. You're next on WBZ as we're talking about uh, the freedom of speech, the ability yep. to run for office if you're Donald Trump. Go ahead. Right. Hi, Jordan. How are you? Well, thank you. Uh, How are you? Good. Yeah, John, good. I, uh, first of all, in the interest of intellectual integrity, I have to say I support Trump. Okay. Um, having said that, uh, Jordan, I got to say it's not a good topic. This is an interesting topic. I say to myself, Jordan, where, he, where, do, you, where do you find these guys, right? Well, did, and, we we, we um, were attracted to talk to John because of the issue that uh, he is raising with his organization. I think it's fascinating. I'm a big fan of talking about and knowing more about the Constitution in any event. But go ahead, Tom. Sure. sure. So, um, John, um, I have a question for you. And I don't know how to phrase it. I was thinking how or why. Or kind of thing. And, John, um, I'm not going to apologize because it wasn't me who did that. He just tried to be a wise guy. Um, That's all right. It comes, it comes in all shapes and sizes from all sides. I'm, I consider myself a PC person. What, what I mean by that is politically cynical. I'm, I'm, I'm cynical of all politicians because they're politicians. So, uh, but I think people get emotionally wrapped up. Let's go to uh, another call. Let's try uh, Suzanne. Suzanne, welcome. Good evening, Jordan. Uh, thank you for allowing me to allow, uh, use my free speech. I would perhaps say to your guest, instead of fact, the insurrection was at least from, as it's filtered down, hearsay. I I have heard it was uh, worse than the War of 1812, which I wasn't there, but produced a good overture. Uh, Mike Pence was there to turn over the Electoral College votes from Donald Trump as I understand it, to our now President Joe Biden. That's the Electoral College. What's your question or point that you'd like to make? Well, I would just like to say I applaud Secretary Galvin because I now vote in person. But uh, why do we have to take anybody off the ballot, we have the option not to vote for Donald Trump, but let's not prevent anybody, Republican, Democrat, or independent, from running on the ballot, should they? Well, feel yeah, I, that's a good question. Yeah. I, I want to answer that because sure. it's an important one, right? So, uh, I have a 15 year old daughter. If she, if she were to run for Congress or President of the United States. Personally, I think she'd be a great candidate, but she's not qualified. So the voters don't get a chance to vote for her right now at age 15 to be on the ballot because the Constitution makes clear she doesn't meet the age qualifications. Similarly, if you're not a citizen, you're not eligible to run for President of the United States or run for Congress. You have to be a citizen of the United States. So these are qualifications in the Constitution. And Section 3 of the 14th Amendment is simply another qualification. So, yes, I'm a big voting rights 
supporter. I, I'm an attorney that focuses on protecting the right to vote. But that doesn't mean that anyone can be on the ballot. You have to qualify. You have to meet those constitutional qualifications. And Donald Trump is disqualified based on his actions on January 6th under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. All right. Uh, Suzanne, thank you so much for the call. We're tight on time. But before we take this break, there are a couple of other issues that uh, appear uh, on your website that I wanted to ask you about since we have you for the hour. Sure. One, of them, one of them is the Supreme Court. And uh, I don't want to misquote you, but are you uh, in favor, your organization in favor of adding more justices to the court? And for what reason? We are. We support the Judiciary Act. Uh, which Senator Markey has introduced in the Senate and on the House side, a number of members of Congress have introduced. It would expand the court to add four justices. And this has been done before in our nation's history. There's nothing in the Constitution that says it needs to be nine. At one time was six. It was added. Uh, three or more justices were added to be nine. And since that time, back in the 1800s, when it became nine, there has been no further expansion. And yet there's been additional federal circuits that have been added many more courts that have been added, and the caseload is much bigger. So from that point alone, the court needs to have more justices. But then we get to the issue of the fact this particular court has some real questions around a few of these justices and how they got there. One of them, uh, Gorsuch, as we know, became Justice Gorsuch after a nominee was placed forward by the President of the United States at the time, Barack Obama, of Merrick Garland, and was held up without any hearing, without any ability to have any vote on it for, for many months on the argument by Mitch McConnell and others in control of the Senate at that time that it was an election year and we're not going to have justices approved or, or confirmed in an election year. So that was Justice Gorsuch. Fast forward to Justice Amy Coney Barrett. Justice Ginsburg dies within weeks before an election, and she gets rushed through. So there's a cloud of illegitimacy well, it's over politics, these particular justices it, John? I mean, when they were on. held up in the one instance, and on the other instance, when it worked for their political favor, they were rushed through. And that's another reason to expand the court, but it's not the only. The first one, as I said, is because it's been done before to allow for more justice to handle the cases, and it needs to happen again. As a political cynic, however, in this climate, with what's gone on in the Supreme Court, in this particular court, it, it strikes me and many other people as being a, a political move to uh, to move the, the needle in terms of issues. And I think that's why it's such a contentious well, that, issue. That would be true only if the Judiciary Act was introduced after some of these rulings of the past few weeks, but it was introduced last year, so that argument doesn't really fly. Well, but the the judges, I have to take a break, darn it. The judges are uh, appointed during that period, and that's uh, that's interesting that it popped up then. I, I have another question, but I have to hold it until the break. Stand by, John. We'll be right back. This is WBZ's Nightside. Now, back to Dan Ray, live from the Window World Nightside Studios on WBZ News Radio. Uh, Jordan here in for Dan uh, all this evening and the next couple of nights. Before we wrap up, we're running really tight on time, and I apologize. We had so many callers who wanted to get through. One more quick question. Give me a quick answer, John, and that is I absolutely agree that if Trump is convicted, well, my position is if he's convicted of anything uh his behavior was uh, offensive to me as well but if he's convicted of something then he shouldn't be 
allowed to run. But what about somebody like Chuck Schumer or Maxine Waters or any of these other people who have openly called for uh, individuals to get into the face of people they disagree with, including members of the Supreme Court? What what role do we have in suggesting they deserve a little bit of talking to here? Well, I, I, I don't see any comparison here. I mean, saying that people should go out and exercise their rights to peacefully protest, whether they're on the right or the left, doesn't come close to anything we're talking about. It's completely lawful, uh, and it is not an insurrection. But well, if you're engaging in insurrection or giving aid or comfort to it after taking oath of office, that's where Section 3 of the 14th Amendment applies. Well, okay, we'll we'll stand down at this point and suggest that we can agree to disagree on a few things. We agreed on other things. You're a great yes. guy to hang in there for the hour. I appreciate it, John, and good luck. What's the website if people want to find out more? People can learn more about us at freespeechforpeople.org. And thank you, Jordan, for having me. All right, you take care. John Bonifaz is the president of that organization. We're going to change and change rapidly into another whole subject matter. Uh, we're going to be talking about a late study, not late, but just came out, on fitness and why exercise, once again, rules. And we're going to take a different kind of look and a different kind of examination at what it means to be fit with somebody who knows a good deal about it. This is WBZ. You're listening to Nightside. I'm Jordan Rich in for Dan, and we'll be back with much more straight ahead. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.